It's about time. Welcome to Free to Play, your number one esports radio show in the Metroplex. FM ESPN is the only station in DFW bringing you exclusive eSports coverage. Now here's your host on Free to Play, Kevin Correa, on 103.3 FM ESPN. That's right folks, Free to Play, back on the airwaves this weekend from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. almost every Sunday. Let's talk esports, folks. I'm Kevin Correa. You can follow me on Twitter at Correa24. And let me know your thoughts on the latest and greatest within the esports industry. Let me give you some quick headline news coming off from yesterday as DraftKings CEO, co-founder, and chairman Jason Robbins says that esports has been huge for the company during the COVID-19 hiatus of sports. Meanwhile, you know, that was a whole... um, I think it was from March 14th or so all the way up until late July, we did not have any sports on the air uh, in terms of just radio, television, whatever. Esports was the saving grace, the CEO said. So apparently, I guess if people out there are really, uh, you know, betting on esports or making money off it, why not? You know, it makes sense. Now, of course, some states are still hesitant on legalizing esports betting. Uh, and there's lots of reasons, you know. Uh, one of the top reasons I can think off the top of my head is a lot of the pros are younger than 18, so it's kind of brings up questions of, uh, you know, efficacy, whether it's worth betting on people who can't really, you know, vote or take care of themselves. I mean, let's face it, some esports professionals are as young as 13, and they're not even playing, you know, the S-tier games. They're playing um, smaller games. Another thing is that, Esports probably isn't a traditional market. So, you know, while it's a global uh, phenomenon, we they don't quite take over traditional sports in terms of our overall popularity. So it'd be a very, very niche market that esports betting legalization would target. And, and lastly, you know, bookies aren't really begging for esports. I mean, as, I mean, online sports books, they can petition their own regulatory bodies to allow esports bettings, but by and large, they haven't really done so. Of course, DraftKings is there. You've got a few others out there, very small, or not small, but smaller than your regular traditional Vegas bookmakers. But, you know, the, the, the lack of demands highlights a pretty big problem with esports gambling is most operators are still stuck in the traditional mindset that it's not an essential thing for their business or it's not really a market that's worth exploring for them, which is kind of sad, but that's okay. That's okay. It's a niche market for a lot of people, but it's it's not becoming that way. Another thing is that a lot of esports fans, they aren't old enough to gamble. The average uh, age demographic of esports is 18 to 34 years old. And according to some market research out there, the average fan is 26 years old. So 
even then, most states require you to be anywhere from 18 to 21. And a lot of fans are younger than 18 as well. Unfortunately, you're looking at kids as young as 12 watching esports. You can't really want to bet on sports if you're not old enough to bet, you know? Now, of course, the argument could be made, you know, some traditional sports fans, they can't, they aren't old enough to place bets either. But the difference would be that most sports uh, fanatics are older than most esports fans. The average age for MLB and NFL fans are 53 and 47 years old. Double that of the average age of of uh, of esports fans. I mean, and the last thing is that a lot of these politicians are just slow to adapt to sports and esports betting. Let's face it, sports betting was originally banned in 1992. But things change, hopefully for the better soon to come. So, esports betting on the rise. We'll see where that goes in the near future. But for now, very special episode as we have a long-form interview with Elige and Grimm. Two teammates on Team Liquid's CSGO roster. You don't want to miss that. They're coming up next right here on Free to Play on 103.3 FM ESPN. Welcome back in to Free to Play right here on 103.3 FM ESPN, the only on-air esports show here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Uh, of course, I like to think of it as one of the best esports shows live on the air every Sunday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Joining us now, we have uh, two very special guests involving, uh, you know, CSGO. Let's talk to Team Liquid's very own Jonathan Elise Jablonowski and Michael Grimm-Wintz, both of the CSGO, uh, I guess, fame, I would say. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, thank you. Yep, doing great. Thanks for having us. No problem. So uh, just really quick, uh, I know with the pandemic still around us and all that, how have you guys personally been handling that? Is just kind of just... Uh, wake up in the morning and try not to focus on the pandemic outside and just focus on the game at hand? Or is there a certain process you guys go through, uh, you know, just just day to day? Uh, Well, for me, it's been pretty much normal, just gaming and playing uh, our practice just like I would any other day. It's kind of messed with how I was doing, like, my daily routines, uh, like, last year or two years ago because I can't really go to the gym anymore, so that kind of... It's like a damper on things, not being able to go out and safely do physical activity. But other than that, it's pretty much business as uh, usual for me. Yeah, and for me, I've just been like staying isolated and trying to do my part of not like getting the virus and spreading it. And it, nothing's really changed for me. I'm just, you know, I'm playing more than usual since I can't really do anything else outside and just, yeah, just really making sure I'm doing my part best I can. So are, are you guys, I mean, you guys are pretty much online. Are you guys just pretty much chilling at home? Or do you go to the, I guess, a Team Liquid uh, like site that you guys all play together at? Or is it just pretty much just like every every man for himself at, at their home setup? Uh, right now we have, everyone on the team is pretty much spread apart across like the country. Or we got two guys in Canada. Uh, the three of us, uh, Grim, me, and Stewie are all pretty... Uh, separated so we've just been playing online and there's not really that much benefit to us risking traveling and trying to find like a boot camp place in na that much because the practice is what it is we have the same teams that we're going to be playing anyway it would be super nice if we were able to you know see each other in person because it, it really enhances uh practice for us but just you know how it is globally we can't really risk that it doesn't really make too much sense so 
we've just been all sticking at home. And then it's just, it's just, that's just the way it is. It's just, you know, the hand we're dealt. And so we just got to ha- kind of have to deal with it. But, uh, yep. but you guys haven't done too bad online. I'd say you guys, I'm, I'm by my math and correct me if I'm wrong. You guys haven't had a finish out of the top four in any tournament since I think March, I believe you guys have had pretty decent top four finishes, uh, you know, pretty much in, in every competition you guys have, have, have gone into. Um, what do you, what, what does that attest to you, your your guys' skill as a team? Is it just the maybe the, the skill level overall of, of NA? Is it just kind of faltering? Or are you guys pretty much just consistently, you know, just going over uh, certain strategies and just, just it just literally outlines why you guys are the best uh, in NA? Uh, well, we have pretty high standards because of the runs that we've had in the past. We had a really uh, good streak last year in 2019. We all have players that have been at the very top of the game, won tournaments. We know what it's like to win, so we have a lot of experience, and we hold ourselves to that standard to be playing at the highest level that we possibly can. And if anything, this year has been kind of a letdown for us so far, not only just because of the global situation, but when we play against other teams in NA, we kind of expect to be the best. And that's like the standards that we have for ourselves because we don't really want to be just the best NA team. We want to be the best in the world. And obviously, for us to be the best in the world, we have to be the best domestically. So if anything, it's been a bit of a letdown this year, but we all have really good players that know what it takes to win. And we're going to be doing everything that we can to make that happen. And, and Grim, you just recently joined uh, the Team Liquid squad. Normally, I'd ask you know Elise, like how do you, well, how would you grade him so far? But Grim, I'm gonna ask you first, how would you grade your experience so far on on Team Liquid? And uh, you know, is it would you deem it um, how would you say a a, a f- wild success? I would say. Uh, yeah, for me, like being on a team like this is a dream for me. Like it's been really good so far. Like I'm playing with really great players who are experienced, and it helps me in situations where like their experience helps me in pressure situations and it, it's really like, it's really nice to be placing uh like top two and top four at events because previously i wasn't even like getting out of groups so it's really nice being on a team that we can really take it to the next step and win a lot of tournaments and that's my goal how different is it uh competing on on your previous teams to competing to with with your current team is it is it a you know a huge difference is it you know, just the, the skill cap is just something that's out of this world, or what would you say is, is the biggest difference? I think for sure it's just the skill of the players on the team. Like, everyone can hold their own. Everyone can, like, turn the title around and win it single-handedly. Like, before, like, that couldn't really be a thing sometimes just because, like, you know, we're not as good as players. Uh, for me, I have improved a lot recently, so it really helps being on a team with players like this because it lets me do my job, and I don't have to rely on, like... I don't have to rely on like other teammates really because like I know they're gonna do their job, so I don't really have to rely on them. I can just work on my own thing. Now this is for both of you for the most part. You guys uh, obviously competing online instead of on on land is 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 you know a little bit of a disappointment due to the, the situation at hand. But you guys have handled handled yourselves pretty well. Uh, I mean, just how is it? Is it more difficult to play online? Is it just more more frustrations building up for you guys? Or is it just kind of just like we're dealing with it the best way we can and it's it's kind of coming out in, you know, in spades for us? We are doing the best that we can, but 
for us, we've been a team that's always struggled with online play in general, whether it be practice or qualifiers or matches. Uh, pretty much since forever that I've been on this team. Um, it's just difficult to stay super motivated and really be in it uh, when the matches don't really mean as much. Uh, of course, everyone's like a competitor and we want to win every match, but there's a big difference playing online in your room compared to being at some physical location with all your teammates all right next to you. And it really helps when teams boot camp. That's a really like common thing that a lot of esports teams do because being all next to each other uh, all day, every day, uh, for week, two weeks, it really helps get everyone's minds flowing. We're always thinking about the game. We go out to get something to eat somewhere, and we're still talking about practice, what we thought that we could have done better here, what we're struggling on, or it makes it easier to talk about problems. And that that's always uh, a thing that I think a lot of NA teams across all games struggle with is just talking about problems and being open to fixing them. Uh, and, and I think the face-to-face -face, uh, aspect of that really helps that. Grim, I mean, you, you haven't really had a chance to play online. Is that just is that just kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of, you know, building up this energy inside that you're just like, I, I really want to play in front of a crowd with this, with this group of guys, or is it just uh, kind of like... I don't know if I'm ready for it yet, or are you, is, does it get you nervous thinking about the return to land at some point, you know, in the next year or so with the same squad, or are you just not focused on that? It's more just like, I need to focus on, on the game at hand right now. Uh, I'd say right now, I definitely just focus on the task at hand, which is being online, but like, I've played online for a while, like, I've never really been on teams that have qualified for a lot of lands, so it's definitely going to be cool to me to like go to boot camp and go to all these lands because it's something I've never really done as much before and it's, I'm not gonna really be nervous or anything it's just something I'm really looking forward to doing and it kind of sucks right now because obviously we're on an online and I can't really go to any lands and stuff so it's just something I want to experience and I feel like I thrive in a land situation but obviously I can't do that right now so I'm just waiting it out I mean, let's be honest. Like, Lan, you kind of get like all these crazy little kid memers out there half the time. Does that does that worry you at all? Because I'm just like, <laughs> you see kids half the time yelling out on uh, to players on the stage. But I'm, I'm sure it's something that you will eventually look forward to, right? Yeah, I just gotta focus on my own game at Lan's and kind of like block everything out, not really be nervous and just focus on the game. Kevin Cray here on 103.3 FM ESPN talking to Elige and Grimm of Team Liquid's CSGO team. You guys actually have a match coming up uh, within the next few days, I believe. ESCL Pro League Season 12 in NA against FURIA. Uh, any worries from FURIA so far for you guys? Or are you just pretty much uh, going over replays and just studying your opponent? Just, you know, finding out what routes they take to certain sites. Is it just pretty much... Uh, a research piece at this point? Well, we've already played them one time already with Grimm on the roster a couple weeks ago, and we took it to three maps, a really close series, uh, considering we just made a roster change. And now we actually just finished the review for that series that we're going to be doing. And basically, when you review uh, another team, you want to be looking at their tendencies and trying to create a game plan based off of what you already have that fits against their tendencies or what you think is going to work. So we're going to be studying like their demos and seeing what they do, but we're not going to be changing up the entire way that we play. It's more of fitting what you already have that is going to work against them. So you're mixing your comforts versus their weaknesses. And I think that's something that a lot of players uh, 
don't do sometimes where instead they try to either make like a specific game plan for a team that they're playing against and it kind of neglects the strengths of your own team so we're very mindful of that and uh that's what we're going to be doing of course like it's like any team you go up against you 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 review your research and you execute game plans uh grim is this is this different from anything you've experienced before with other teams or is it pretty much par for the course in terms of a competitive uh csgo where you you pretty much have to focus on reviewing you know film and replays and all that and just kind of getting into your head the opponent you're facing in the upcoming match uh for me i've always like done like prep and game plans for teams that we're playing uh but on this team it's been like more um extreme in the terms of like what we're doing and like how we look at a team compared to the, my other teams like we look at things way more in depth on this team than back what i used to do but yeah i definitely say that uh i did game plans quite frequently on other teams as well all right elise i gotta be honest you, you when the news comes out that you guys just picked up grim what was your like first immediate reaction go i was excited that we were going to be picking up someone that has a lot of hunger to want to be on the best team he has a lot of skill, but he's going to have really big uh, shoes to fill and that he's replacing uh, the teammate that I had for five years, Nitro. And I think that he's already done a really good job uh, learning a lot and putting in the work that he needs to to be able to do that. And Grim, obviously you get the call. Liquid wants to pick you up. Is your first thought just like on the floor, just like crying, yes, I, this is the dream come true? Or what was the, the immediate reaction on your end of things? Uh, yeah, pretty much for me, it's a no-brainer because we've always, like, anyone in NA knows that, like, Liquid is just the team you want to be on. Like, they're just the best team and most prestigious, and, like, to get a call like that is insane to me. And those are, like, I've been doing good work and putting in the time, and I'm going to do even more and work even harder. Like, it was really insane to me to be able to get a call for Liquid. What makes Team Liquid the, the place to be for you guys? What I mean, just from what you've seen, what makes Team Liquid a, a destination team for other players? Uh, I just think, like, we have, like, really, really good, or they had really good, like, LAN uh, runs, which is, like, the most important thing in CS, winning tons of tournaments, uh, compared to, like, most NA teams. Like, they've definitely had the most, and I think that's just one of the main reasons you'd want to be on, and also, like, the players, like, the environment's really good to be in, and you just, like, are motivated to play on the team. At least, would you, I mean, would you agree with that? I know you've been on the team for, like, five years, so I don't know if it phases you that you're a destination team at this point, but is it pretty much what it, what Grim is saying? Yeah, I mean, we have players that are all super, really individually talented. I think that we've been the strongest team internationally for years, even since, like, 2016, 2017. Just, uh, we might not have always been the strongest NA team, but internationally, I think our results have always been the best out of all the NA teams. And especially in the last two years, we have more than cemented that. So I'm definitely not surprised. Now, obviously, with the pandemic, uh, about... Cancellation of events has been plentiful. Um, you know, no Rio Major. Is it kind of disheartening to hear about you know certain events you were looking forward to to competing in, hearing that they've been canceled after you've put so much work in to kind of prepare yourself for that? Is it just kind of like, man, I I just this really sucks. Well, I think that no one was surprised with the major getting canceled. I think that no one should be playing to do any on, or any land tournaments for this year, especially since March. It was kind of just obvious to everybody, and I think 
mo more of the events were delaying the inevitable and trying to give false hope. So I, I think that as the global situation kept unfolding, that it should have just been a little bit better planned out, in my opinion, because I think right now, like how we are doing tournaments online, there's a lot of back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back tournaments where everything kind of feels the same and it's a lot of oversaturation. So I think that's been like the main like issue for me, not getting like my hopes up, like because I never had any hopes to begin with ever since March uh, for the rest of the year. But just if things were planned out in a little bit of a better way, I think I would have been happy with how the the year turned out. Yeah, and for me at least, like I like always wanted to play at these tournaments, and now that I actually have a chance to, and they're all getting canceled, it kind of sucks. But all I can really do is just wait it out and try my best online until that time comes. What are your thoughts on you know if there was an opportunity to play within you know the NBA is having their uh, their bubble right now? If there was something like that for a major coming up soon, really anything. This is purely hypothetical. But if there was a chance to play within a bubble atmosphere like that, would you guys do it, or is it, or is the risk of just the travel and then staying in a, in a different location too high for you guys to really even suggest it? Yes, I think that all the players would right now, and that was something that was actually suggested and was trying to be worked on. But unfortunately, because of how terribly the the U.S. has been with handling uh, the pandemic. Uh, we can't really get into any place in Europe, so it's it's been really hard ever since July. Like we haven't been able to, we've just been barred off from going to Europe at all. Uh, so it's it's been really difficult uh, for that to try to happen. But I think if everything gets a little bit levied up and we're able to have that, you know, maybe even January of uh, next year, February, I'm sure that there will be something that's getting worked on for that. More to come from Team Liquid's CSGO team with Elige and Grimm after this on 103.3 FM ESPN. Kevin Correa here on 103.3 FM ESPN continuing the conversation with Elige and Grimm of Team Liquid CSGO team. Uh, we're in the back end of this, uh, this interview with you two guys. Let's talk about how you got to where you are. Grimm, you've been playing CSGO since 2017 or so. Uh, what got you into competitive gaming, and really just what got you into CS:GO specifically? Oh uh, yeah, so in like um, uh, high school, one of my friends told me I should probably play the game and play with them just for fun or whatever. I played it, I actually liked it, and decided to keep playing. And eventually, I discovered like streams and stuff of like esports events, and I decided to watch them because I always have a competitive mindset, and I was wanting to figure out how I could be the best I can. That could be a li literally any game, but more specifically in this case, CSGO. And I love the atmosphere of the events. I love the tournaments and everything. And I made it like clear that like that was always something I wanted to do because I could also play the game I love and support my family at the same time. So I'd say like around 2017, yeah, is when I got really competitive and started like really grinding and putting in the work to try to get to these events. And I'd say like midway through my matchmaking career, just playing with my friend, I really wanted to, I knew I really wanted to make this my like living pretty much. And it's always something I've been wanting to do since then. Now, when you, when your parents heard that you could make money off this as a career, like what was, what was their reaction? Was it just uh, like, whoa, hold, hold your horses. You know, we, we got stuff to take care of back here. You can't just go off and play video games and make it a career. Or was it something more like we support you no matter what? Like, just, how did your parents, your family react to all that? Yeah, so my mom's actually been really supportive of gaming and stuff. So, like, I told her, like, in my high school, like, I think my temper, like, if you give me some time, I can make something happen in this game. And she said, all right, go for it and you do what you want. And 
uh, she's been really supportive of it and really is proud of where I've came from since then. And I'm glad that she gave me the opportunity to like lay off work for a bit and really pursue my dream of going pro in this game. I'm glad it's paid off. Now, Elise, you actually got your start in StarCraft II, or I got my start too, but unfortunately I'm not grand, I wasn't Grandmaster Terran, you were, so whatever. Um, no, <laughs> no hard feelings, it's fine. Uh, is, is that where your kind of esports journey started, uh, just, just playing on StarCraft II and then moving into CSGO? That's, that's two very different genres of games to be competitive in. How did you manage to do that? When I was four years old, my older brother got me into Counter-Strike, and that was my main competitive game up until I was about like 10 or 11, whenever StarCraft came out. And, you know, even when I was playing in Counter-Strike 1.6, I was actually even competing in like the open divisions. I got to main before I was like 10 or 11 uh, back then. You know, I was like a six-year-old playing in like Cal Open and stuff like that. So I've definitely been a competitive gamer for a long time. But in StarCraft, that was a game I really fell in love with pretty fast because it was a game that you actually could make it your living. And Counter-Strike, it was just a game that I was competitive at, but StarCraft was the game where people were actual professionals and they're making money off of it. So that was the game that I first started seeing a lot of time into to try to make it my job. And when I was kind of unhappy with it, I was like playing Counter-Strike Go as it came out and... You know, I was just kind of good at that one. I was kind of over StarCraft at the end of it for a couple of different reasons. And I just kind of you know, dived right into it. I mean, it's 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 a hell of a game to dive right into. I'll tell you that. R- RTSs are no joke. But I think I think it did all right. But the transition to CSGO, how did that really uh, work out for you? Was it just like, you know what? Uh, StarCraft just isn't cutting cutting it for me anymore. Let's move to CSGO. Just how did was it a like a a months long kind of choice or did you just really just kind of see the the light at the end of the tunnel one day and just like you know what CS:GO it is. I was already playing CS:GO in my off time when I wasn't playing StarCraft with my friends and I had a lot of friends that were at a kind of high level from when I was playing Counter Strike 1.6. So I just kind of like hit them up like after like the three years that I was playing StarCraft and I'm just like asking to play with them like doing some ten man's pugs. And the the deciding factor that made me want to swap from StarCraft to CSGO was I was in uh, one of the WCS qualifiers when it first came out. And I was trying to qualify for the WCS. And I got to the finals of two of those qualifiers. And in the last one that I did, I was playing against Select, which is a TVT matchup. Yep. And uh, I did the whole qualifier on one patch. And then on the day of the finals, it was the next day and the night that they did... Uh, like the finals, there was a patch that completely changed uh, TVT, where it was like a Hellbat versus Hellbat uh, meta. It just completely changed it to 1-1-1. And I ended up losing because of that, and it really frustrated me. So I was just done with the game, and I just wanted to play something that wasn't going to frustrate me anymore and was going to go play with my friends and try to be competitive at, th- at that game again. So it was frustration against the game that drove you to CSGO. That's, that's yep. crazy. And and so I mean I I don't know if people know this but uh, Elige in Spanish is actually select. I don't know if the way you pronounce it is just two different ways, but it's just like yeah. Is, is that is that on purpose or was that just kind of like purely coincidental? 
Uh, no, it was on purpose. I was uh, taking a, a Spanish test, and you know, I was just looking at the questions, and it's just like select the following whatever, and I had it in Spanish underneath it. And I was looking for a new name at the time, and I was a fan of Select. He wasn't like my top tier favorite player, like uh, I would say Maro or Marine King Prime was, but I, I noticed it and I liked how it looked, and I just picked it. And that's kind of how the thought process went for it. Maru, you're throwing out some old school names, Maru, and geez, select. I feel so old. Holy moly. <laughs> um, Grim, I know uh, you've obviously had the, the longer career here, but what is something that being a competitive gamer has allowed you to do that you couldn't do before? Is it purely just you know fi- uh, the release of a financial burden, or is it just like really making a career out of competitive gaming? What's something that esports gave you that you didn't expect it to give you? Uh, just really like I have a really competitive attitude and mindset so I always wanted to be the best and this game allows me to do that just because I've been putting so much work and stuff and it definitely helps that I can support my family and myself at the same time while playing a game that I love and something I've always wanted to do so it means a lot and the same question for you Elise what's something that esports give you gives you that you enjoy is it the competitive nature is it the money because if it's the money that's okay I'm not going to say no to that everybody you know I'm not going to say no to money for me, it's always been the competitive aspect of it, and I, I've always really wanted to be the best at something. Uh, whatever it was, I wanted to be a professional gamer since I was really young, actually, like since I was like seven, eight, nine. I wanted it to be my job, and I was going to do whatever it took for that to happen. So I, when I went to StarCraft, that was my goal. I had like a short stint of like six months in League because I was like, well, this is the game where you can go pro in. So I was trying that, didn't like it. And then I tried, uh, you know, CS:GO, obviously, and it worked. And I've just always wanted to be super competitive at it. And my end goal for me, just like in life, is not to be super rich and famous. It was always just to, you know, have enough to not have to worry. And I think that CS:GO has just like accomplished that for me, where I can just focus on what I truly love doing, being competitive, trying to be the best, while also not having to worry about, you know, paying the bills. Kevin Cray here on 103.3 FM ESPN talking to Elige and Grimm of Team Liquid CSGO team on free-to-play, one of the best uh, esports shows on the air every Sunday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, you guys both had drastically different journeys to get to where you are, which is happens to be in the same on the same team. But now that you're together, obviously, uh, you know, and you're the squad mates, I'm not going to let them out, you know, Twists and, and Stewie and Moses and all those other guys. Currently... What is something you would change about the way either CSGO is, is, is played or the way esports as an industry you know, does things? What's something you would change? Uh, I can go first here. I, I think that the first thing that I would change is just having a really structured tournament circuit, just like the other esports, all the top esports like League, and I know that Valorant will have it eventually. I think that it really helps uh, deal with problems of oversaturation, viewer fatigue, player fatigue, and making things mean more. And I, th- I think it's uh, pretty important because if you look at sports, every single year people are getting really hyped for certain teams to play against each other or boxing. Like you want to see like the best boxers. Like they don't fight that often. The best teams in basketball don't play against each other like that often if they're in different conferences you know so it's it's really hype when you actually get to see those things happen and for cs uh specifically i think that it happens too often 
to for everybody to be uh, putting a lot of meaning on to all the matches. So I think that'd be my structural change that I would do. Yeah, same. Like uh, honestly, like that's uh, pretty much only issue I have because like coming up in the scene, like joining Team Liquid, like I wasn't playing nearly as much matches on previous teams just because we weren't in a lot of events. But being in like all these events on Liquid, it's been really like kind of stressful playing all these matches repeatedly. Like we just finished a tournament, you know, there's like another tournament two days later where we have to play. Like there's not a lot of time to like. It kind of affects our practice in terms of like we can't really fix the mistakes from the last tournament just because we're already going straight into another tournament. And I think that's the main issue for me currently. No, it's it's a it's a solid issue to bring up. I think you guys are both right on the money here. Um, besides that, I mean, moving forward as an industry, not just for CS, but what is something you guys would want to bring in the future? Is it you know um, more power to players, uh, a player union, or something like that? Is it just a better understanding of how teams and 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 players interact? Like, what's in the future? What's something you'd hope would actually uh, come to fruition in terms of esports as a whole. I think that like definitely more power to players in a sense because like I feel like this issue has been talked about for a while in terms of like the events being so clustered and back to back. Even when land tournaments were a thing, like teams were flying out literally the night of a tournament finishing to another tournament. And I think this has been an issue for a while and the players have talked about, but nothing's really been fixed. And I think if you give more power to the players, that opportunity can be fixed where tournaments are like less so close together and there's more time. I personally would love for the tournament organizations to either combine or have a better structure between themselves because if they're able to work out these issues, it's going to be more profitable for everybody. And I know the tournament organizers already have deals with teams uh, and you know trickle down to that with the players where you know in our contracts we, we have like uh, some parts of that. And... If, if we can solve all these issues as a whole, then it just benefits everybody. But I, I feel like it's not being worked on together as an industry because everyone wants a piece of the pie and they're trying to get that. But I feel that if they just work together a little bit more and there was more communication between them, then I, I think it would help. Yeah, I, don't, I think there was a, a period of, of a year ago where you guys were playing literally... I think it was 14 games within a span of, of a few weeks or something like that. It was something ridiculous a year ago, but it was, I mean, that's something that just needs to be addressed for sure. Lastly, before I let you guys go, we're kind of short on time here, but very quickly, uh, does Valorant pose a threat at all in terms of CSGO's like market share of, of, of viewership, or is it just like a, a condition of look, competition makes everybody better in the end? This is a good thing for everybody. I think it definitely does pose a threat. It's something that's new. It's a game that's very similar to Counter-Strike. It's not exactly the same, but it's the same style. It, it's going to bring the same type of hype moments that CS does, the same type of team play. And it, it's stuff that's new. And I think what CS lacks is things that are coming in that are new. We don't have uh, new maps that are coming out all that frequently. I think the last time we had a map change was definitely over a year ago for sure and it's a little bit stagnant uh with what we have and valorant also has a really thriving streamer ecosystem where people are really tuned into watching uh the streamers to see like uh their radiant journey like trying to get to the top levels and for cs we don't really have a matchmaking system that is as important 
as it is in Valorant. People aren't really that interested in seeing if you're global elite. There's no real focus on it at all. So I think that we are kind of at a disadvantage there because I don't really see that fixing anytime soon. So I think it really does pose a pretty big threat. Any final thoughts there, uh, Grim? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Like, um, I think that CS really hasn't had like a FPS competitor in a long time, if ever. So having a game like Valorant can really like like uh, pressure the like CS devs in a way to like make their game better as fast as possible, so like they uh, can be better than like Valorant. And I think that right now the games are pretty like similar in terms of uh, like viewership and whatnot. But if uh, Valorant keeps growing and thriving like it is right now, I think it can definitely take over CS one day, at least until Lance come back. Excellent points there, fellas. I appreciate the time. Of course, uh, you guys, good luck on your match later on on, on Sunday. And uh, best of luck to you moving forward in the season, okay? Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Elise and Grimm of Team Liquid CSGO team. Uh, coming up next, we'll cap off the show and uh, send us home. Let's put a capper on this one, folks. Free to play on 103.3 FM ESPN. Kevin Correa here. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Correa24. If you missed any portion of today's show, no worries. You can go to KESN1033.com, hit the free to play icon in the podcast tab, and listen to all of our past shows there, along with uh, listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google, whatever, CastBox, whatever you listen to will be there. Um, let's cap off this show with a little discussion on Worlds as the League of Legends regional tournaments have all wrapped up. The Worlds spots have been nailed in, finalized for every region. Let's begin in the LCS. Last week, we discussed TSM beating Team Liquid, beating Cloud9 to get to the finals. Of course, the finals awaited them FlyQuest. FlyQuest had to go through a tough matchup through Evil Geniuses, through Cloud9, and through Team Liquid in a five-game series in the winner's finals. The grand finals pitting TSM against FlyQuest. TSM taking it to five games where they would take over the entire match at that point. They would win the LCS uh, summer split, defeating FlyQuest, securing themselves the number one seed at Worlds. Bjergsen carrying the team five MVPs throughout the playoffs. Santorin from FlyQuest right behind him with two. And after that, it's a list of ones. Nobody got more than Bjergsen in terms of MVP. On top of that, Bjergsen also had two regular season weekly MVPs. Big deal for him. And uh, unfortunately, the... MVPs of the splits, Core JJ, uh, Jat taking co uh, coach of the split. First all pro teams, Licorice from Cloud9, Blabber from Cloud9, Bjergsen, TSM, unsurprisingly, of course, he's dominated the mid position in the uh, LCS for the past two seasons. Sven from Cloud9 and Core JJ, of course, MVP of the split, get, takes home the support honors there for Team Liquid. Man, just an all around amazing LCS split. That means. Total people going or total teams going into worlds. We have three of them representing North America Team Solo Mid, FlyQuest, and Team Liquid. On top of winning the LCS uh, regional tournament, Team Solo Mid takes home a hundred thousand dollar big one, you know, just, just an insane amount of money a hundred thousand dollars. FlyQuest walking home with 50, Team Liquid with 30. Now, away from the LCS into the LEC, where 
The matchup that everybody was waiting for, G2 versus Fnatic. I teased it last week. This week, unfortunately, no plays, no best plays of the week, but we're just going to still you know, review a little bit of it. Peak viewers for this. Over 1 million people watching concurrently this grand final between Fnatic and G2 Esports on Twitch. Insane. So, G2 versus Fnatic in the winner's finals. Fnatic took home that one, three games to two in a five-game series. G2 defeating Rogue in the loser's finals, taking home another five-game victory there, 3-2. The grand finals, though, would be a much different story. G2 would pretty much dominate late into the game. The first two games, beyond 40 minutes. The last game at 35 minutes, a little bit longer there. And so G2 taking home all three games, 3-0 sweep of Fnatic to secure their number one seed spot into Worlds. G2 Esports taking home roughly almost $100,000. Fnatic in second place taking home 60. And Rogue and Mad Lions taking two World spots there for the LEC, $35,000 and $23,000 respectively. So not a bad showing at all. Do feel bad for Shalky uh, Esports there. They could not make it into a World spot, which... Ah, you would have loved to have seen the uh, the miracle run of Shalky go beyond the losers round two, but Madline's shutting down that dream, unfortunately. But, you know, no big deal. We have our four representatives out of Europe. Let's discuss the one or, you know, the, the few representatives out of the LCK. Gen G taking home the first seed honors out of the summer split, but they're not the only ones representing Korea. LCK also represented by Damwon Gaming, who won the summer split. After that, you go to DRX, who got in on championship points. And LCK Regional Finals, Genji Esports taking that spot up. Now, that means three LCK representatives, four LEC rep representatives, and three LCS representatives, all four. Roughly how many teams is that? That has got to be close to... 20, 22 teams by my logic from all over the regional League of Legends uh, you know, tournaments, the leagues. I'd say a resounding success, a good bounce back for the for for League of Legends as a whole after the pandemic kind of stopped China, South Korea, and Europe from really competing. North Korea and Southeast Asia kind of bounced back a little bit easier on their feet. However, you know, Viet, uh, the Vietnamese team, I don't think, could make it. So what was originally supposed to be 24 teams is now 22 because the two Vietnamese teams could not, uh, you know, due to COVID-19 uh, issues, they could not make the trip to Shanghai, China. So the bubble is in place in Shanghai. No more traveling. All you, all you have to get, you just have to get to China. Two-week quarantine there. After that, Riot Games controls the entire show environment, the entire you know hotel environment. Riot Games is in charge of all of that. So, I mean, it looks to be an entertaining Worlds for this year as we will have LAN. That's an amazing thing. We're going to have LAN, a LAN event for the first time in Lord knows how long. And uh, for a major at that. You heard my interview with uh, Elise and Grimm. Their majors have all been canceled in CS:GO for, for the most part. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's 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 there's still smaller lands here and there, but Worlds will have a bubble environment in place, which means we will have land throughout the entire Worlds tournament. Which, thank 
you so much. I, oh, you have no idea how beautiful that is. Out of the LPL, I forgot to mention this, China, of course, another top competitor going into the, into Worlds. I mean, they've won, what, three out of the last five Worlds championships? They deserve some name recognition as well. Top Esports, JD Gaming, and Sunning all representing China. Uh, on top of the LGD Gaming, making it into the playing group, so not too shabby there. TSM, LCS Summer Champion, they're seeded in th- into their group stage automatically along with FlyQuest. Team Liquid will have to fight their way through the playing groups to make it into that group stage. So, looks to be an entertaining Worlds lining up for us here. I hope we can all enjoy it in the months to come. I believe the games first get started mm, September, I want to say. Let me double check that. September 25th through the 28th is the first round of the play-ins. After that, it all just kicks off like a shotgun. It just goes through all the way up until October 31st. Halloween, the finals, of course, taking place on that day in Shanghai, China. It'll be very fun. Unfortunately, uh, Yone will be disabled for the tournament due to the new champs rule that has to be enabled for all four regions. Apparently, Yone was not enabled for a few regions. He will not be played at all. So, top prize, unknown as of yet, but it is 37.50% of the total prize pool. So, that'll be a hefty sum for whoever walks away with that world's trophy. Anyways, guys, that has been my time. Uh, Kevin Correa here on Free to Play on 103.3 FM ESPN. If you missed anything, go to KESN1033.com. Follow me on Twitter at Correa24 and uh, a station, of course, at 103.3 FM ESPN. And, uh, you know, it's fun talking esports with you guys. Hope you join me next week, or I guess it's the week after. I'm not sure. I'll have to double-check the calendar. I'll let you guys know on Twitter. Guys, it's been a fun time right here on 103.3 FM ESPN.